Today in the Business Bookshelf, I speak to author Fred Copestoke. Fred is a consultant, trainer, coach, and an expert in helping sales professionals around the world to improve their performance and unleash their full potential. We talked to him today about his new book, Selling Through Partnering Skills, which looks at the evolving world of sales and sets out what people need to do to refine their approach. Enjoy the interview. Welcome to the Business Bookshelf Podcast. I'm your host, Lance Pepler. Like you, I'm a lifetime learner and find books one of the best ways to do this. The purpose of this podcast, then, is to interview authors of new business books, get insights into their thinking, lives, and businesses, all in a light, friendly manner. The show is sponsored by Deerstorm, focusing on exponential innovation and leadership. Visit www.deerstorm.co.za to book a free strategy session. Today, I talk to Fred Copestoke. Fred is a consultant, trainer, coach, and an expert in helping sales professionals around the world to improve their performance and unleash their full potential. I particularly need that, actually. He is the principal consultant at Brindis, the consultancy he founded in 2004. We talked to him today about his new book, Selling Through Partnering Skills, which looks at the evolving world of sales and sets out what people need to do to refine their approach. So welcome to the podcast, Fred. Um, Fred, where am I speaking to you from today? Well, home, funnily enough. <laughs> is, 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 is that a massive surprise? But uh, no, I think probably what you're asking is, um, I'm, I'm at home, but in Nottingham, near Nottingham in the UK. Now, I, I lived in the UK for 18 months. One of the South Africans who went across there on the working holiday visa and didn't do much holiday and a lot of work. Um, but I've never been to Nottingham. If I were to get onto a plane and travel, which seems unlikely, what areas would you take me to around your part of the world? Well, Nottingham is Robin Hood, isn't it? Yes. So we'd have to do a bit of a Robin Hood tour. Um, I'd go and take you to see a tree. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, 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 it's more than a tree. It's a famous tree. The Major Oak is where he used to live with his merry men. And you can actually go and see that. Um, you've got Nottingham Castle, which is okay. But next to it is one of the oldest pubs in the world. They claim to be the oldest. So we'd have to ah. pop into there. Um, Absolutely. And, and if we were allowed and it was summer and there might be a cricket test match on, we could go to Trent Bridge um, and sort of sit there and watch a bit of cricket. And what you'd also see is, well, what, there's other grounds. And you see a cricket ground, a football ground, and another football ground, all in, uh, all in stone's throw of each other. Um, well, so, yeah, just keep us, keep us busy for a bit. <laughs> You've given me another reason to go through to England, which I, I long to do again. I miss London particularly. Uh, but now Nottingham will be on my list of things to do. So, Fred, before we get on to your fantastic book, can you give us an overview of your career and your company, Brindis? Sure can. So, um, so if I go back, right back to uni days, I did a, a BCom, so Bachelor of Commerce and Spanish. So I sort of it's a business degree, but I went and lived in Spain for a year, which was quite fun as a student. Mm. Um, when I came back, I had a job working with an industrial company um, in various roles in sales, in marketing. I ended up as a business development manager for Western Europe. Like, ooh, ooh. yeah, absolutely. You know, what that meant was travel to cold countries and see if you could help them sell more, basically. Um, and a part of that was training, and it was training the sales teams to do the stuff that they needed to do well, as well as the account support and the rest of it. And I liked that training side. That, that mm. I really did enjoy. And so it kind of made sense to me to approach a training company 
um, which I did, and became a full-time trainer with them, full-time sales trainer with a training company. It's quite a, an odd role because they tend to employ associates. Mm. Um, did that for a time, and, and whilst doing that, I had the opportunity to to go and set up the academy for Corona Extra in, in Europe. Oh. So, yeah, travel around Europe um, helping people to sell beer. Nothing to do with the <laughs> disease. Nothing to do. It was back when Corona was a good thing. The, the worst thing you'd get from Corona was like a little bit of lime on your lip or something like that. Yes. Um, but uh, that was great fun. It really was. Um, you know, lots of lots of travel. Then I've always travelled with work, really, um, and, and that's that's what gave me a, a chance to set up Brindis. So I was doing both. So I did that as a consultant for them, so I could have quite a lot of work straight away, but also do some of my own thing. Mm. Um, and that's well, that's a few years ago now. But I mean, since I've started training, I've what? It's twenty two years ago. So I was doing some numbers the other week. Mm. Twenty two years ago. Um, wow. I've been around the world 14 times. I've stopped off in 36 countries sure. and worked with 10,000 salespeople in over 250 companies I've worked out. So, uh, yeah, it's um, it, it, it's sort of just doing that that job and say, now it's Brindis, that's that's me, my company, essentially. It's, it's been brilliant, you know. That's fantastic. Do stuff. Now, now that I'm doing my company, I, I left a multinational at the end of January and now I'm with my company, I know what achievement that is that you that you did there <laughs> to your own it's, company. Uh, I mean, in some ways, I look back at it and I was very lucky. It was it was handed to me on a plate a little bit. Now, obviously, the knowledge and stuff I brought to it, I had to work to get. But the fact that a big client said, "Look, can you do this stuff for us?" Mm. then gave me the breathing room to do the other things. Um, so yeah, you know. Well, um, I, was, I was lucky that day <laughs> fantastic now Fred congratulations on your book selling through partnership skills it's something that you know I have a big interest with too you know I'm trying to do the sales thing and I'm trying to do the selling through partners as well or um, on the partnering model and having customers as partners all those type of wonderful things and can you tell us about the purpose of the book you know why you wrote it and a brief overview of it uh, in a nutshell, help salespeople get better. Mm. I mean, really, it's as simple as that. That's what all what I'm about. I want sales as a profession to be something that is considered higher than it probably is at the moment, uh, certainly in the UK. You know, I don't know what it's like with you guys over there, but sales can be a bit of a bit of a dirty word. I don't know. Um, but really, you know, as, as, as a trainer, it's I want people to get better at what they do. Mm. I'm in a position to do that because... I sort of keep an eye on what what's what's the latest evolution of sales, what's the latest thing that we need to be getting our heads around. Um, and so sales is moving more towards collaboration than ever before. That, that's what successful salespeople will be doing. So by using partnering skills, by using uh, the elements within there and developing the right mindset, salespeople can become better, basically, and, and far more modern in their approach. Mm-mm. And you do start the book looking at sales during the you know, the last four or five decades and how it's changed and morphed and all those kind of things. So could you give us an overview of the modern sales and the modern sales techniques that work today? Yeah, I mean, you can go right back to the 50s where it's very much a process-based sale. Uh, and actually, yeah, we'll, we'll tap into elements of that. You know, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater on any of the evolutions. 
60s, which focus on personality styles and things. Again, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. try to engage with people better. 70s, benefit selling. Yes, we need to do that. 80s, bit odd, close, close, close type thing and objection handling and mm, less, less lessons from there. Not saying none. But then as we go into the 90s and become more consultative, so focusing on people's needs by asking better questions, noughties becoming more value focused. So thinking, well, we can solve you problems, but we can bring more to the party, if you like. Mm. And then kind of in, in sort of the, the tens thinking, well, look, I've got to demonstrate that I am the person that can bring that. I've got to have the right stature, if you like. I've got to give the customer confidence that I can tap in to my resources equally understand what they're trying to do and and so that's just led us more into this collaborative style that we're going to see in the 20s mm. um where we need to be more customer focused understand how they're buying again using those values-based skills those consultative skills to to make sure that you know we get that win-win situation that we, mm. we talk about so much in selling uh, yeah and and i you know i've worked as i said at a multinational until fairly recently and we spoke about partnering with the customer, but actually back at, you know, back in the, the office, it was all about what can we get? It wasn't really a partnership model whatsoever. It was, we'll, we'll try and convince the customer that we're partnering with them actually, but we're not really that interested in their well-being. We're more interested in ours, obviously. So how, how do you see that partnership model working with customers? How shocking. <laughs> to be fair, though, I, uh, I, you wouldn't be the only company to do that. Of course, <laughs> no, and, of and course. It is. It's, it's a word which is thrown about uh, very easily, and it's to make customers feel better. Mm. And then we come to negotiation time. So, well, you're our partners, though, so you should give us a better price. And it's, you know, it is. It's self-centered. Yeah. Um, and it just doesn't work like that. <laughs> uh, when you look at partnering skills and you look at those elements that people who are good at partnering have and their skills which can be trained so people can understand these and they can get better at them mm. if you bring these into your selling approach your selling approach becomes far more authentic far more honest and more of a genuine proper conversation about partnership than yeah it's a nice word let's just stick it on what we do but make loads of money from them as well yeah because we're making loads of money yeah. but we can mm. both do that you know <laughs> in, a, in a proper partnership yeah. So should we, should you be looking at what the customer can add value to you in a partnering type model as well? Because often, you know, when you're the buyer seller, I, I, you know, that's kind of normally the relationship. Then the the buyer obviously partners by, you know, getting value from the product that they're buying, and then also giving you the the value in 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 money to to purchase the product, and then obviously vice versa. But from the, from the seller perspective, when you're partnering with a customer, should you also be looking at what value can that customer have in partnering with you? How does that partner relationship look like? I, absolutely. Yeah. You know, so you're always going to look at it and go, I've got a target to hit. I'm a salesperson mm. and I'll need to work with people to be able to achieve that. Yeah. Now, I can... Oh, I can do that by forcing stuff on them, but that's a very old fashioned way of operating and actually not very effective because people see through that. So if you start thinking of, well, okay, this is the organization I want to work with. What can they take from this relationship? Where can they do something better? How can I bring something to the party? Mm. Even just how can we talk together to co-create, you know, then absolutely there's something in it for them. So they will want to work. And so the sale in many, in many ways becomes easier. So mm -hmm. that, that 
collaborative thinking and that what partnering skills is helping people to do yeah. is to really think about this is what these guys can get out of it. Of course, I'm going to get something out of it as well. Yes, we get proper mutual benefit from this. And, and we become kind of independent in, in the way in which we work. Everyone's happy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds simple, but actually, well, the mindset is simple. We need to get that mindset right and then start thinking about how do we practically do that? Yeah. And that's what I try to help. <laughs> no, absolutely. That's fantastic. And going the extra mile and trying to you know, provide excellent customer service and all those kind of things. Now, in the book, you touch on a subject that's very close to my heart that I basically change almost on a weekly basis, it seems, and that's the value that I offer. And I'm grappling with that particularly, and maybe some of the listeners will be as well. So how can you give us in some insight in how do you determine what is valuable to a customer that they would, you know, engage with you and pay you for something that you're offering? How do you determine value? You don't. Ah. <laughs> the customer does. <laughs> yes. You need a little bit more than that, don't you? Um, no, uh, the customer does. So this is part of the mindset that people need to take, which is you can create all your value propositions and things together with your marketing department and make wonderful slide decks and all this kind of stuff. But actually the secret of selling value is to work with the customer to understand what they think it is. Mm. And look, it's quite, it's quite a little, and that's why I give a bit of a flippant answer because actually (laughs) that is the answer. It's you go off and try to push these things that you see as being important to them. Well, if they don't think it is, if it's not on their agenda, if they don't see that, that's where you're going to have a problem. Mm. Now, mm. there's nothing wrong with doing a bit of homework and thinking, well, actually, I think because of what they do and how they do it, this will probably be a route that we go down. But there's a fine line between saying, right, OK, this is what you've got to do, Mr. Customer, because I've seen it and it's valuable. Mm. But if they're not seeing it, if they're not really understanding, then, you know, that's time wasted and then can, and can antagonize a little bit. Whereas to use the skills to sort of unlock together, this is where we can start to create it. And this is what it genuinely will be. Brilliant. Okay, well, let's work together on this stuff. Mm -hmm. And here's some I prepared earlier, potentially. So, you know, you don't is a stupid answer, but you've got to understand what is value for the customer from their perspective. Yeah. That's the key, actually. Mm. (laughs) And obviously that makes a a lot of sense. Uh, And, I'm just grappling with it myself. Would it be like focused groups or just putting out surveys or because it's a bit of a catch-22 situation really because you you do want to promote a product to a customer and so you come up with this product but at the same time you want to know that the customer is interested in the product. Um, You know it's like Steve Jobs with his iPad when he, he presented it for the first time he said you know, you don't know what this is. You don't think you need it, but you will. (laughs) (laughs) That that was pretty special. You know, that was a fairly (laughs) unique and pretty visionary uh, example. But you're right. To really understand the customer and what they understand as value or they think of value, you've got to Mm. talk to them. Yeah. But you do have to earn the right to talk to them. So you do have to have an element of the value prop. So, you know, I wasn't dismissing all that work out of hand yeah you've got to say yeah kind of these are the sort of things that we can do this is what you know other customers are benefiting from this is kind of where we see your market going and where you notice you 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 
could potentially get some stuff, but you know, it'd be wrong for me to dictate that. Mm. I'd need to to talk with you to properly understand it. Now, if you get that right, they'll think, yeah, okay, it's not quite that, but mm, yeah, it's mm. worth talking, yes, and we can move it on, and then it really does become properly about them. Mm. And you can personalize so, yeah. it in the customer relation. They're partnering a relationship by tailoring it specifically for them. Absolutely. The danger is though that you use your bit, which is there to just to get the sort of the permission or to move into the next sort of phase and discussing and collaborating. Mm. But you just forget to discuss and collaborate and then carry on pushing that. And this is what I thought. So this is what you got to do. And he goes, hang on a minute. You're not discussing that. You're now pushing this stuff onto me. And it's not mm. valuable because I'm not seeing it. Um, so, yeah, you do need the you do need the foundation. You do need the sort of the, the homework, if you like, to get those discussions up and running. But then really make sure it is as they think um, rather than just, well, that's what I'm going to tell you anyway. Mm. Now, Fred, you use a new acronym, or at least it's new to me, uh, called PQ, which is Partnering Intelligence. So IQ and EQ and now PQ. And there must be other yep. Qs as well. But could you tell us what PQ is, um, like a high-level overview of partnering intelligence? Sure. So, I mean, this is something that um, was developed really by a guy called Steve Dent, um, early 90s, who was working on full-on business alliances, proper inverted commas pure i'd probably say better partnerships and saw that actually the people who are involved in these notice the people who are involved in these because organizations don't partner people Mm. do that's Mm. one of his phrases they were showing these key elements and when you look at the key elements which are one trust next win-win focus next interdependence self-disclosure and feedback comfort with change and future orientation. Fred, could you just go you through those six again very, very briefly? I'm sure people aren't going to rewind. And I'm, can you just okay, go through those again? Yeah, not a problem. Not a problem at all. So trust, trust. is one thing. Foundation of all relationships, what we need for good communication. Mm. Win-win focus, yeah. which is thinking about mutual benefit and how we discuss things to get to that level of compromise. Mm-hmm. Interdependence. We're in this together, so we need to collaborate around things. Mm. Self-disclosure and feedback. So giving a little bit about yourself, but equally being confident enough to say to people, hey, look, we're trying to work with you here and you're not helping us. It's a mm. way that we can talk about that. Yeah. Comfort with change. So, so salespeople, I think, are very much in the business of selling change. If not, why would you buy from me? Right, <laughs> so right. again, it's, it's understanding change in some of those elements, becoming a change agent to a degree. Yeah. And then future orientation. You know, we need to be looking forward. We need to be making decisions based on where we're going rather than, oh, all this stuff happened in the past. Mm-hmm. Again, you don't throw that away, but you look forward. So those six elements are the elements of PQ. When I saw them, and perhaps when I put that little tiny explanation next to each of them, you can see how any salesperson in any role should be all over those. Mm. You know, whether you're indirect, you know, through channel sales and you know, looking for partnerships more, more typically, or whether you're selling direct, actually, why would you not want to be basing it on trust? Why wouldn't you be looking for win-win? Why are you not trying to do something different with customers? Why are you looking towards the past when you should be looking towards the future? So I just mm. they just really spoke to me and I thought, you know what, this this 
is where selling is going this collaboration it's a neat way of capturing it mm. of which he's done a lot of research in it wasn't just a sort of made up one afternoon with a beer in the garden type thing mm. um and then using the sort of the best practice sales models we can bring these things together and really get a bang on up-to-date approach that is going to help people um get the results that they need in the right way mm. super um so, Fred, I'd love to ask you a few more things about your book, but I also want to ask about you so the listeners can find out a little bit more about you. And you spoke a, we spoke a bit about um, Brandis, uh, Brindis at the beginning, which is your company. Uh, could you possibly tell us what Brindis is and what offerings you do, your courses, et cetera, that you offer through Brindis? Sure. So three, three pillars to Brindis, training, coaching, consultancy. Uh, probably the same as any as any development company really the things that you offer um so training can be from sort of fairly fundamental stuff so essentials for selling and some of those things into maybe some of the more funky stuff so so selling with vuca uh, or selling in VUCA uh, conditions so volatility yeah. uncertainty complexity ambiguity so training courses if you like mm. um coaching is more the sort of the one-to-one or sort of smaller group drawing out as opposed to putting in you know and then the various elements that we can help people with in the coaching and then consulting is where we'd work with companies just to help put those things in place even bigger sort of more strategy type stuff implementing crm whatever is going to help them sell more basically it always comes back to selling for me that's that's the stuff that brindis does it's about sales performance um if we think it's going to help salespeople get better you sell more we're all over it and we'll be able to help you with it mm. <laughs> in a nutshell. Super. And, and do you see a fluctuation or, uh, between, you know, the amount of uh, work you, you are doing around training, coaching and consulting? Is it, is it more or less the same or does at one stage do you do more training and less consulting or is it generally a, you know, a third split between them? No, it's not a third split. I'd, I'd say the coaching, the consulting is less mm. um, just because that tends to be bigger pieces and maybe just the focus has always been more in the training side of it. Okay. Um, what what I am seeing recently, and before we start recording, you were talking about, you know, what, what's it been like over the last six months, mm. is that the balance of training and coaching is, is far closer. Um, and that's because programs that we've been putting in place are have been able to be designed far more elegantly, if you like. Mm. so rather than sort of traditionally i might do a three you know in the old days i'm going to say well, that's only six months ago but um, <laughs> a three-day training course you know so you drag all the salespeople in you know they might be flying in from everywhere i might fly off somewhere we do it we do three days and it's a mm. lot of stuff and mm. you know we'll, we'll make a big difference and it's good and you know hopefully we'll still do these the the people i'm working with haven't just sort of said oh covid terrible stop let's see what happens it's well we need to keep doing things yeah adjusting to covid keeping up the momentum of the sales we've got planned anyway and the, the sales training we've got planned anyway mm. but the newer programs what it's meant we've been able to do is to say well let's take the three days and let's split them you know uh. let, let's chop them up into half days because you, you can't do a full day virtual it's really tiring yeah. but we can do half a day one week next week let's do one hour with each of the participants to say okay look you told me what your learning point was at the end but how are you really putting that in place yeah what's actually happening what are your kind of actions around it mm. so then go the sort of third week we're back into training half day 
week after that, we're back into coaching. So spreading mm. the program out, pulling it a lot thinner, it means that people can take stuff in far more bite-sized chunks. Yeah. And we can really make sure that we are helping them to, to apply the knowledge and to then get a difference. And then the great thing with salespeople is the easiest way to apply it is to think about a real life account. Mm. Yeah. Who are you going to go and work with like that? All <laughs> these guys, brilliant. How are you getting on with it? Um, so you know, my, my, my goal really is that so you start your trading at the end of it, you've got a couple of accounts and it's, trade, it's paid for itself. Many times yeah. over. <laughs> that, that's, the, that, that's, the, that's the idea. That makes a lot of sense to me because I, as I said, I was part of this multinational with a large sales team and the sales team and me would go on so much training that it would take away from the selling almost. You know, you'd expect these salespeople to get really big tar- targets and stuff and then take them out of the field for X amount of time, like a day or two or three, like you said, where they aren't doing any sales at all. <laughs> and so yeah. if you're breaking it up into manageable bites, like an hour or two hours or you know, a half day, like you said, then it means that they can be doing selling and the training on a, a yeah it's, it makes huge amount of sense to me and i hope it continues like that that makes sense it's it, it seems to be having the better impact because it's the bite-sized chunk we can cover two or three key things you can go away and do that come back how did that go and i said the the coaching bit which is you know and it shouldn't be that managers are given up their responsibility to do that but it mm-hmm. means that the trainer who's actually talking about it can come in from a different angle and saying look to tell me you know this is the thing you've taken away. You've taken away. Um, yeah, how, how's it going? How are you doing it? Talk me through it. And just really getting the training absolutely personalized to people. Mm. Um, and we see the results, you know, as a mm. result of that, if you like. No, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, yeah, great. I'm going to be doing that type of approach as well uh, in the future. Now, Fred, you have a podcast. Elegant. That's what I call it. Yeah, (laughs) elegant solution. Definitely. (laughs) That's fantastic. Uh, So, you have a podcast as well, um, Selling Through Partnering Skills. I've downloaded a few and listened to them really good. Um, What made you get into the world of podcasting and and how is it working for you? Um, uh, Look, there is an element of it which is self promotion. You write a book. Yeah, the same you as me. Sit on the, you, you don't want to just sit on the book, or on the bookshelf. You want it to go out there. Yeah. But then when you look at why are you writing the book, you're writing it because you want to share stuff. That should be the driver anyway, I think. Yeah. So, mm. you know, I, I like learning and sharing. That's what I'm all about. You know, that's why I'm in this, in this job, if you like. Um, yeah. and, and so it just kind of made sense to, it's called exactly the same as the book. So it's just, yes here's the book but here is just another vehicle where we can take some of the concepts and just sort of kick them around and have people who are actually doing this stuff talk about how they're doing it mm-hmm. um which is fun because when you invite people on they go i've never heard of pq i don't use that and i go well i think you do actually <laughs> and then when we go through it they go yeah i do do all those things like, yeah cool. uh-huh. um and, and so yeah it's, it's it's going well um you know having a lot having a lot of fun doing it you know some really good chats with people you know like this um and i'm learning loads <laughs> you know it's it's fantastic I'm, you know, when i stop learning i've got to stop doing my job but again i might be talking to somebody about the sort of comfort with change and how they use that in their organization and how they help their salespeople to do it mm. and i'll say something and i'll just be like wow <laughs> that is so cool um so it's great for me to sort of keep building resource and building ip around these these areas when used in selling Mm. um 
that is just a good laugh as well. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's, I mean, that's what I do it for as well. I mean, and I'm learning so much and from you. I mean, I've learned so much from this interview now and then doing like the research on it. And now I get to you know, read your blogs and listen to your podcast, which, you know, if I didn't have this podcast, I would have never have heard of you, obviously. We're in different countries and different areas. And so that's a, a major, major bonus of having a podcast. Um, it, it, it is that it is it's, it's an opportunity to kick off more conversations I think um, mm. ones that you might not necessarily have but which you sort of come out of thinking I'm really pleased I had that that was really good I'm better for it you know <laughs> and hopefully people and hopefully people who listen to it are better for it as well you know <laughs> oh, that's what I'm hoping as well too and um, so we'll, we'll, ask we, them. we'll ask people to tell us hey. <laughs> we, we should do some research with our customer base and see if it adds value nah we're having too much fun for that. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure there'll be some reviews <laughs> um so fred we unfortunately we've come out run out of time I, I try and keep the interview for half an hour but i could talk to you forever and um, if people want to contact you how should they do it you very active on linkedin and then i'll have your podcast and your um, your website in the show notes. Uh, you can you'll accept LinkedIn connections, I presume, if they find you on LinkedIn, which I'll also put the link in the show notes. Yeah, please do. That that that, that that's probably the best way. Um, definitely accept that. It'd be nice if people do drop a note saying if they've heard me on the podcast is great, but no, I'd I'd, I'd, I'd accept anyway. And um, mm. look, happily talk about this stuff with, with people. Um, you know, as you can tell, it fascinates me. I'm excited about it. So yeah, that'd be that'd be really good. Thank you. Uh, and just to let you know that we had a north-south um, rugby match about three, two weeks ago here in South Africa with the sort of the two South African squads, and it was terrible rugby. So I, I'm not sure if we're going to be much of a challenge for you as we were in the World Cup when we next oh, meet. come on. You said you weren't going to talk about that. It was going so well, this podcast. <laughs> so thank you so much for joining, Fred. I really, really appreciate you. And congratulations on the book, Selling Through Partnering Skills. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And I hope you, the listener, found this as interesting and useful as I did. If you'd like to contact me, then please do. My email is lance at ideastorm.co.za and the website is www.ideastorm.co.za. So until next time, goodbye. <laughs>